0: If you love Jesus, could you just raise your hands right now? Just tell him that. Just tell him. Tell him. Tell him right now. Lord, I love you. Thank you for loving me when I was unlovable. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. How many are thankful for the love of the Lord? Amen. give you a little praise report. Is that okay? Several of you asked that uh, where I was at on Sunday, I was actually on assignment preaching for my dad to try to give him a break. 73 years old, preaching on Sunday, Wednesday, two prison services every week. Been preaching and teaching one prison service over 40 years every Monday night. You talk about faithful. Saturday, uh, I went to help him on Sunday so he could have a break and, uh, Saturday they had prison service in college station, Brian college station there in Texas, where Texas A&M is. And at the last count, let me be clear because we don't have a total count at the last count. God filled 20 men with the baptism of the Holy ghost. Amen. How's that for a praise report? I said, how's that for a praise report? I'm telling you, I'm believing for the day. Just like I said the other, uh, the other uh, last week, I'm believing for the day. We got more praise reports than we do prayer requests. Amen. I mean, if you like that in your own life, more praise reports than prayer requests. Lord, I receive it in Jesus name In Jesus name. Amen. I want to say thank you to Pastor and Sister Nealon for for allowing us to be here. I told someone yesterday they rescued us from Houston. (laughs) And uh, thank all of you for loving me and my family. And my son. That's all I know to do is say thank you. Thank you. James chapter 2, very familiar part of James, what does it profit my brother, verse 14, if someone says he has faith, but does not have works, can faith save him, if a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to him, depart in peace, be warmed and filled. But you do not give them the things which you are needed for the body. What does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, it is, everybody say, dead. Someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the devils believe and tremble. But you do. But do you want to know, O oh foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was what working together with his works, and by works faith was what? Everybody say made perfect. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, your faith without your works. James says is dead. Amen. This may be one of the most well-known, but it's also one of the most controversial theologically sections of James. So we're going to talk about it tonight. The action of real faith, the action of real faith. Look at your neighbor and say, we got to have real faith. Lord, speak to us right now in the next few moments. Let your thoughts be downloaded, your words. Let it not be me, but let it be you. Let us leave here today empowered and faith-filled that you are with us in Jesus' name. If you're thankful for the word of the Lord before you're seated, could you put your hands together one more time? Amen. You may be seated it's growing more and more difficult to detect what is real and what is fake in our culture. It's easy to be fooled. Amen? Let me say that again. It's easy to be fooled, especially by what we see. All right? Here are five photographs that are either real or fake, okay? And I want you to see how good you are at this. All right, here's the first... Anybody want to venture? Wrong slide. Hallelujah. Did we lose it? Maybe, maybe not. There we go. Okay. Real or fake? Anybody? Real? Fake. Okay. Go ahead. Real. Yes. That's actually a place in Africa. Sorry. All right. Next slide. College of architecture and planning. Isn't that awesome? They totally messed up the scaling on the sign. Real or fake? Real or fake? Go ahead. Fake. Yeah, absolutely. Can't believe everything you read on the internet. All right. Next slide. Real or fake? You want to say fake, but you know that that looks too weird to be fake. So it's got to be real, right? It's actually in a park in New Zealand. All right. One more. Oh, this is my favorite real or fake. How many you say real? If you say real, how many say fake? Actually, you're good. That's the most famous bear on the internet right there. All right. It's actually fake. So there's a lot of things in our culture. We know because of technology and the world that we live in that seem real to us, but they're fake. And there's a lot of things that are fake, but they seem very what? Real. So this week we're looking at probably one of the most well-known sections of James's letter and maybe one of the most controversial. And James is saying that there is a way. Everybody say, there is a way that we can find out what real faith is and what fake faith is. Let me say that again. Real faith versus what? Fake faith. The majority of the New Testament message teaches us that we are saved by what? Faith alone. By grace through faith, we are saved, Paul says in Ephesians. But James comes along and says it is not just faith, but it's faith and work. So what's he talking about? We have this two, it seems like independent contrary thoughts. We have James and then we have Paul. So who is right? This is in your notes. Who's right? They're what? Both right. Everybody say they're both right. They are two different sides to the same solution. Paul was fighting the problem of legalism, the problem that I've got to keep all the Jewish laws and regulations to be a Christian. Paul is talking to that group. James is not fighting legalism. James is fighting laxity. Those who say it doesn't matter what you do as long as you what? Believe. I mean, you have heard that even in modern times, right? So they're fighting two different enemies. But they both use the word works in different ways. Paul uses the word works. He's talking about Jewish laws like circumcision and things like that. When James uses it, he's talking about the lifestyle of a Christian. In other words, the outward manifestation of what we believe on the inside. In other words, whatever we believe on the inside, we've got to act on it. Everybody say we've got to act on it. Yeah. Paul focuses on the root of salvation. This is in your notes, but you can go back there and study that. What happens to me inter- internally? James focuses on the fruit of our salvation. What's happening to us on the outside. Jesus said by their fruits, you will what? Know them. Everybody say that with me. By your fruits, you will know them. In other words, by your what? Your works. Are you with me? By your works. Paul is talking about how to know that you're a Christian. James is talking about how to show that you're a Christian. Paul is talking about his passages on faith alone and how to become a believer. Paul James talks about how to behave like a believer. So it's not a contradiction. Everybody... Are you with me so far? It's not a contradiction. It's say, it's summed up in Ephesians 2, 8 and 10. For it is by what? Grace. You have been saved. What? Through faith. For a life of good works that God has already prepared for us to do. There's three prepositions in this passage. By faith. Everybody say by faith. I mean by grace. Excuse me. Grace. By grace. What? Through faith. What? For good works. Say it again by grace. Everybody say it with me by grace. What? Through faith for what? For good works. Now, if you get those out of order, you're in trouble because your good works cannot save you. So if you think that you're going to be saved by your works, your faith is in trouble. But he's saying that by we are saved by grace through faith. We have to understand. I've said this. Your pastor has preached it to us, especially over the last several months. We have to remember that salvation is an act of grace. God did. We did not find God. God found us. I'm fourth generation apostolic. That's okay. God still found you. It's by his grace that you're sitting here tonight. Can I remind you of that? I said it's by your His grace that you're sitting here tonight. It's by His grace that you have any righteousness in your life. It's by His grace that you have any holiness in your life. It's by His grace that you woke up this morning and took a breath. It's by His grace that you are in your right mind tonight. It's by His grace that you're going to lay down tonight and sleep uh, with sweet rest. It's all by His grace. Amen. So how do I show that I'm a believer? James says, there's five ways that you can know that you've got the real thing. Everybody say the real thing. Number one, real faith. This is in your notes. Number one, real faith is not just something you say. Verse 14. What good is it for my brother? If a man claims to have faith, but has no what deeds can such a faith save him? It doesn't say he actually has faith. It says he actually claiming to have faith. He's talking about it. We know all the right phrases. See, there's a lot of people that claim to be Christians. The Gallup poll, and it depends on what year you look at it and and how recently you look at it, says that over 50 million Americans say, quote unquote, I am born again. But ladies and gentlemen, if we understand anything, we understand we don't always see that lived out in people's lives. Today we tend to easily stick a label of Christian on people who make the slightest sound of being a believer. It's more than just talking about being involved in faith. Jesus said, not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Not everybody who has a bumper sticker, a Christian fish on the back of their car is a real believer. Not everybody who is a professor of Christianity is a possessor of Jesus Christ. Oh, let me say that again. Not everybody who is a professor of Christianity is a possessor of Jesus Christ. Can such faith save him? James says no, because talk is cheap. James is saying that real faith is not just saying something you do. Do you know anybody in your life that claims to be a Christian, but there's no fruit in their life? Anybody? Second thing, real faith is not just something you feel. Uh, This is where we get in trouble here, especially as Pentecostals and apostolic spirit-filled people. Let me tell you something. Faith is more than just your emotions. There's a lot of people that confuse emotions and sentiments with faith. Faith is not something you just feel. You can be emotionally moved and never act on it. You can go to church and get a quiver in your liver and not make a difference in the world. He gives us the illustration in verse 15. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes or daily food. If any one of you says, go, I wish you well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs. What good is it? In other words, what good is you saying it if you're not going to do something about it? Real faith is more than just sympathy and feeling and emotion and goosebump on Sunday morning. I've got to do something about it. I've got to walk this out. I've got to act this out. If I have real faith, then it's very practical to live out that faith. And you know what else? Living out that real faith means being involved with real people talking about Christians here. One of the few times that you see a reference here to Christian women being called sisters, when you become a part of God's family, you have some family responsibilities. Can I say that again? When you become a part of God's family, you have a family responsibility. Do you realize that there are multiple, multiple commandments, especially in the New Testament, that can only be fulfilled if you are fulfilling those within the body of believers that you profess to belong to? A real believer will care about other believers. First John 317. If anyone has a material possession and sees his brother in need and has no pity on him. How can the love of God be in him? Real faith is generous. It wants to give. Amen. I said it wants to give who can count on me in a crisis. How many Christians have the freedom to call you up or me up in the middle of the night if they were in an emergency? That's not just talking the talk. I said that's not just talking the talk. Uh, First John 3 says that one of the proofs of salvation is how we love other believers. Do I have fellowship with other believers? Real faith wants to be around other believers. Are Are you with me? Well, I love Jesus, but I don't love the church Well, you're in the wrong place because that's saying like saying you love me, but you don't love my wife. It doesn't work that way. You get us together. Amen. And you can't love Jesus and not love the church. How can you love the one you haven't seen if you can't love the one that's in front of you? Amen. Is that Okay. And that's what I'm talking about is understanding that every person that's coming, brother, uh, Robin Johnson just prophesied to us that they're coming. I said, they're coming. You remember that brother Dwayne went back there and pushed open the door prophetically and they're coming. And guess what? As they come, they're not going to look like you. They're not going to talk like you. They're not going to dress like you, but they're coming. Who of us among us in this building will break out of our clique uh, and out of our circle and out of our TP around the campfire and say, come on in. We're going to love you exactly like you are uh, till God moves upon your heart uh, and gets you like he wants you. I said, they're coming. I said, they're coming. So real faith is not us up here uh, 24 hours a day talking in tongues, walking around this building and believing for revival. Sometimes revival is going to walk through the door and we're going to have to put what we've been talking in tongues about in the spirit uh, and we're going to have to put it to work uh, and we're going to have to put it into action. Is that okay? Just want to remind you, I know that this room is full of mature believers who love every single person that they come in contact with. But we have to remember if our faith is not in action, then our faith, James says, is dead. If I don't feel like helping other Christians, then I have sick faith. James is laying it on the line. He says, do you want real faith? It's more than just saying what you say. It's doing something about what you say. Number three, real faith is not just something you think. For some people, faith is an intellectual trip. It's a matter of mental assent, a matter to be studied, debated, talked over, and discussed. And James imagines this intellectual objector in verse 18. Some will say, you have faith. But I have works. He's imagining a very intellectual person saying, hey, you're into faith. That's good. But I'm into works. Different strokes for different folks. So let's debate it. You've got your thing. I've got mine. And James is saying, no, I'm sorry. If you say you have faith without works, then your faith is dead. Right? Show me your what? Works. You need to circle that or underline that there in your notes. Show me, real faith is apparent. Real faith is visible. The American church has got a lot of Revlon Christians. Nobody knows for sure what's behind the makeup and the mask. Amen? Are you with me? What are you saying, David? I'm saying that a lot of times we can put up a mask of Christianity. We can put up a mask of Uh, But James is saying, look, uh, if you truly declare to be a follower of Jesus Christ, uh, there's got to be something that comes out of your life uh, and is put into action. How do we know for sure? James says, show me if you claim to be a Christian, I have the right to ask you to prove it by looking at your lifestyle, by looking at your fruit. Somebody said, faith is like calories. You can't see them, but you can see the results. Hallelujah. You can't see faith, but you can see the results of faith. How many of you know the state theme or the motto of Missouri? What the? Show me state. I believe James is saying he would be a good representative of the state of Missouri. You say that you're a Christian. He says, prove it. Let me see your actions back up your words. If I say that my health is important, personal health is a high priority in my life. And I believe that health is one of the most important things that we ought to have. And you say to me, do you eat Right. No, I do not eat right. Do you exercise with brother Jimmy? No, he, I can't even make it to the gym with him. Amen. Do you get proper rest? No. Do you take your vitamins? No. Do you ever go to the doctor for checkup? No, it doesn't matter what I say that my health is a priority. If there's no action to back up what I'm saying, then it's truly not a priority. Do you get the illustration? A lot of times we can profess to say that Jesus and the church are the most important things in our life. Uh, but if our actions don't back up what we're saying, uh, then the priority of who Jesus is, uh, is really not there. There's a reason that Jesus taught us a pattern of prayer, right? There's a reason what how what our father who art in heaven, what hallowed? be thy name. That literally means that the name of Jesus should be preeminent uh, above all things that we do uh, act uh, and live upon. Uh, it should be over everything that we do. What does that mean? Uh, that means that the name and the preeminence of the name of Jesus uh, frames everything that I do uh, in every part of my day. Uh, I love my wife to the glory of of God. I go about and do a job to the glory of God. I go about and serve my community what? To the glory of God. I come to this church and I give myself, whether it be in tithe or offering or testimony or my talents, what? To the glory of God. Everything is framed by the preeminence of Jesus Christ over our life. But ladies and gentlemen, if we're not careful and i can testify to you i am 52 years old a preacher's kid raising a preacher's home sleeping under a pew i can testify to you there's been many times in my life that i professed to be it but i did not act like it Why? I'll tell you why I forgot that Jesus should be preeminent over all things and all areas of my life. Are you with me? Real faith is more than just something you think Uh, you can claim to have real faith in a mental uh, state, but it's something more than you say. It's something more than you feel. It's something more than you think about. Second Corinthians 517 says any person that becomes a Christian has become a new person on the inside. The old things are what passed away. Does it happen overnight? No, I can't guarantee you that it's going to happen overnight, but there at least should be some evidence. I'm mystified by people that just say, and, 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 and they say, well, my bad attitude, that's just who God created me to be. No. That's not who God created you to be. God gave you a born again experience by water and spirit. Uh, and the evidence of the spirit living on the inside of you uh, is going to give you a course correction in your attitude. Uh, so you don't have to be the same way that you always were. Uh, I said you don't have to be the same person uh, you always were. Uh, you don't have to be negative Nancy uh, or down or Debbie. Uh, you don't have to be that person. Why? Because the power of the Holy Ghost uh, is living on the inside of you and it should produce a life change do we still struggle absolutely we still struggle do i still do things that i'm not supposed to do absolutely that's why i got to have the grace of god every single moment of every single day but somewhere in my life there has to be a change are you with me real faith number four is not just something that you believe Real faith is not just something that you believe. You believe that there's one God. James says, good. Even the devils believe that and they shudder. There's a lot of people who have strong beliefs about God, the Bible, about Jesus. They can even write all the good scriptures and sing all the hymns. And James is saying, big deal. Even the devil believed. It's foolish to be an atheist, and the devil is no fool. The devil believes in God. Why? The devil is a very good theologian. You know how I know that? He knows more Bible than most of us do. He knows theology backwards and forth. You you want, want to know why I know he knows that? Because he's good at quoting it and twisting it. And when he twisted, we don't even know he twisted Adam. Eve. We don't even know he twisted because he took the very words of God and he just turned it a little bit. Right? The Bible says that the devil understands who God is, and he shudders. The word literally there in the Greek means to bristle. His hair stands up on end. Every time that the demons hear the name of Jesus, their hair stands up on end. Why? Because the enemy understands the majesty and the awesomeness of the power of God. And they know who God is, and they tremble. Every time Jesus goes to confront a devil-possessed man, what's the first thing out of their mouth? We know who you are. Right? There's a reason they say that. The word if Believe in Greek means to trust in, to cling to, to rely on, to commit yourself. I am a Christian because I believe in Jesus Christ. But as pastor always says, there's a lot of folks that are going to miss heaven by 18 inches. They've got it in their head, but they don't have it in their heart. I've been to seminary and I've seen men and women study the depths of scripture and still be lost and come out of seminary being agnostic uh, or atheistic. You don't want to know why? They had a head knowledge, but they never had a heart knowledge. Uh, they had a head understanding, uh, but they never had an encounter with the supernatural God. Uh, it was just another book to them. It was just another story to them. Uh, it was just another language to them. Uh, but ladies and gentlemen, I've come to remind you today, uh, if we say that we believe uh, and God is living on the inside of us, uh, there should be something that stirs with us. Uh, and when we say that, I believe it should come out in our actions. Everybody say in our actions. Verse number five, real faith is something that you do. There's the bottom line. How many of your bottom line people and you'd wish we'd just skip to five? <sighs> I'm talking to some of you here tonight. <laughs> real faith. Is something that you do. Faith is active, not passive. It's a commitment. And interestingly, James gives an illustration of two people, Abraham and Rahab. And good, you figure there's two more opposite extreme people. Abraham, a man, Rahab, a woman, Abraham, Jewish, Rahab, a Gentile, Abraham, a patriarch, Rahab, a prostitute, Abraham is somebody. Rahab is nobody. Abraham is a major character in the Bible, and Rahab is just kind of fit into this story. He uses these illustrations to say this. Hear me very carefully. It doesn't matter who you are as long as you know the most important thing. And the one thing that Abraham and Rahab had in common was their faith in God. Their faith, hear me very carefully, in God led them to action. Everybody say to action. action. Verse 20, you foolish man, do not, you, you won't evidence that faith without deeds is useless. Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? His faith and his actions were what? Working. Everybody say working together. His faith was made. Listen to what James says. His faith was made complete by what? By what he did. And scripture was fulfilled when it said Abraham believed in God. How do we know that? He, we saw it. He behaved in a way that his belief came out visibly. Abraham believed God and it was a credit to him. What righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You know, the story, it's the ultimate test where God asked Abraham to give up his own son. Abraham was already a believer. Hear me very carefully. So God was not calling him to act to see if he would perform, to see if he could be trusted to become a believer. Abraham was already counted righteous. Abraham was already a believer because 25 years earlier God says you're a righteous man so he's not talking about being saved by works. Uh, he's talking about and he's saying uh, let let us see how much you believed and so Abraham obeys God uh, and he does exactly what God is calling him to do I think most of you know the story he takes his son, he cuts the wood he makes the preparation and then Abraham says to his son while they're walking up the mountain we not I we will return why because he knew that if God had promised him something which God had already promised him a son and he had already promised him to be the father of many nations if God had promised him something and he was going to take it away from him then he knew that God had the power to return it back to him even if he had to raise Isaac from the dead So what was Abraham doing? It was an action. Everybody say it was an action. His works proved his faith. Why? Because Abraham held nothing back from God. Rahab, you see the story in Joshua 2. It's the story of how a prostitute befriends a couple of spies when they're coming into Jericho. And Rahab, by her action, everybody say by her action, ends up in the family lineage of Jesus. Why? Because she didn't just say what she believed. She put action to what she said uh, that she believed uh, she risked her life uh, ladies and gentlemen uh, our faith is not determined by what we do it's demonstrated by what we do let me say that again my faith is not determined by what i do it is demonstrated by what i do there's a difference I'm not saved by my works, uh, but my works are a reflection of the fact that I'm saved. Are you with me? I said, are you with me? In a very real sense, God is saying to us through James, talk is cheap. Put your money where your mouth is. If you say that you believe in me, then prove it. Our faith is demonstrated by our actions and actions always speak louder than our words. Why? Our behavior will always show what we believe. Second Corinthians says, examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Real faith. Let me let me say this again and I'm, I'm fixing to close. But real faith moves us with compassion toward people that I don't know and toward people that I do know. Real faith moves me into a dedication to serve. Real faith moves me to share what God has done for me through the power of the gospel. Real faith moves me into a place uh, where God is first uh, in every area of my life uh, in my time, uh, my talent uh, my treasure uh, and my testimony Uh, real faith uh, moves me to walk uh, in a place of obedience uh, and discipleship uh, and saying hey uh, I'm not going to do this by myself, Uh, I'm going to try to take everybody that I can uh, with me, Uh, real faith uh, is understanding uh, it is God at work in me my life not saving me but as a result of my salvation I'm going to walk this out I'm not just going to talk it out I said I'm not just going to talk it out if you can't see how spiritual I am by the actions of my faith then my words don't mean a thing There's a lot of people that sound very spiritual by their words uh, and their ability uh, to talk in tongues. Uh, But James says, hey, it's not enough. It's not enough just to believe. It's not enough just to say. You've got to put it into action. The ultimate act of faith, and I'm closing. The ultimate act of faith is walking to the front of this building and surrendering yourself to God and saying, God, take over. Are you with me? I said the ultimate act of faith is walking to the front of this building and saying, God, take over. I surrender. How many of you have done that before? Hopefully you've all done it. If you haven't, this is a call to action tonight. You don't have to leave this place the same way that you walked in here. The real ultimate act of faith is surrendering to a God that you cannot see. It takes faith. I know we've had several people baptized last couple of weeks. It takes faith to get into this water. You with me? I said it takes faith to get into this water. You're getting into this water and you're saying, I know that Jesus is going to meet me here. You're getting into this water and saying, I know that I'm not just about to come up out of this baptismal tank just being wet. But I'm coming up with the name and the blood applied to my life. It takes real faith. Ladies and gentlemen, it takes faith to say, Lord, I don't understand it. I don't know all the theology about it. But you said that your spirit is a free gift. And I want to receive it. Fill me with everything that you have for me. But it takes an act of faith. Are you with me? I said it takes an act of faith. As you stand tonight. I think one of our challenging points. is understanding the simplicity in which our walk with God really is. I said a while ago, I'm not saying that to give you my pedigree, but I said a while ago just as an understanding, I think most of you know where I come from in my background. 52 years. Many of you can say that, ah, you're nothing but a young pup. I understand that. That's good. I've been serving God for 60, 70, 80 years. I thank God for that. Amen. I said, I thank God for that. Because it takes just as much faith for you to keep serving God for 60, 70, 80 years as it does for somebody brand new that's going to walk to the front of this building on Sunday and surrender their life to God. I said all that to go back to this point and hear me very carefully. I feel like we've made living for God so complicated that when we talk about faith, this unseen, unknown, uh, this unknown variable, it's hard, it's hard for us to wrap our minds around it. It sounds so super spiritual. It sounds sometimes spooky. It sounds like, oh, there's no way that I could ever have the faith that sister june has there's no way that i could ever have that kind of faith and so we've made it so mysterious but you know what here's what i believe pastor in all of my trying to get knowledge here's what i believe what would be the greatest step for most of us to take to uncomplicate what we're trying to figure out in our faith would just be for us to simply surrender to God and say, I don't get it. I don't understand it. It's too big for me. It's too overwhelming for me. And so I give it to you. And so one of the most simple prayers that you could pray tonight is say, Lord, it's yours. Whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're going through, whatever situation that you're faced with, you don't understand, Brother David. I'm faced with the cancer diagnosis. Can you fix it? No, you can't fix it. So guess what? The next best thing you could do is surrender it. Anybody with me? Any mature believers with me and understand? Sometimes that's the most powerful prayer I can pray. Lord, here it is. I surrender. Hands raised all over this room right now. Could you do that? Could you do that? I don't know what you're facing. Don't know what you're going through. But by a simple act of surrender and faith, could you just say, Lord, I surrender this to you. Finances, family, marriage, children. I surrender it to you right now. I can't fix it, God but I know that you're great enough you're big enough you're powerful enough and so I surrender to you hallelujah can we put our faith into action right now and just lift our voices and say Lord take over, take over, take over speak to my heart let me live it out on Thursday let me live it out on Saturday not just Sunday and Wednesday Lord but every day let you be preeminent over everything, every part of my life, Lord. Away. Let my faith not be just something I say, can something I believe, some emotional goosebump on a Sunday morning. But let my faith so be something and I walk out. Hallelujah. I give myself away. Hallelujah. Let's lift our voices so right now and let that be our song right now. Hallelujah! 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 Give myself away. away. Yes, Lord! Yes, Lord! Oh, Lord! I, I, give, give, myself myself so me. Me. I give myself away so, so you can use me. me. I give myself away. feel comfortable just put your hand on your neighbor's shoulder right now we're going to pray and go home Lord I thank you for every person in this room this room is filled with mature people mature people with powerful faith Lord but Lord just let your word remind us that we've got to walk it out we got to walk it out every day it's not something we feel it's not something that we just mentally assent to it's not some emotion Lord but we got to walk it out we got to act it out. Not enough to just come on a pew and check a box and say, oh, we went to church and fulfilled a duty. No, you're calling us to greater things. You're calling us to greater things. You're calling us to deeper things. You're calling us to walk this out like we've never walked it out before. To be the expression of your word to this community and to our families uh, and to our friends uh, and to our schools, God. Uh, You're calling us to walk it out uh, through our love for one another. Through our acceptance of those uh, that may not even look like us or talk like us uh, or be like us, Lord. uh, But let us walk this faith out. Uh, Let us walk this faith out. Uh, Let us walk it out. Let us walk it out. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. Let's walk it out this week and this weekend. Let's invite somebody. I mean believing that God's doing great things at TPC. Invite somebody to come be with you on Sunday. I know pastor's excited about preaching this weekend. We're going to have a great time and let's see what God does.